Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I am so happy you're here with me today. You're going to love this podcast. My guest is Sandra Champlain, and she is absolutely amazing. The things that, that she writes about and talks about and knows are so wonderful and, and can be really, really helpful to people when they're dealing with grief. And so I'm I'm so glad you're here today, Sandra. Welcome. Oh, Emily, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm just delighted to. And could you tell our our, uh, listeners about you? Sure. I can tell you the basics now, and then I can go back to what got me here. I am the author... I'm the author of the book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And then I also have two podcasts. I have We Don't Die Radio, which I started maybe nine or so years ago, just interviewing great people about reasons to believe in the afterlife. And I'm now well over 400 episodes there. And three years ago, iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM came to me. They liked what I did, and they asked me to do a show on the afterlife with them, another podcast called Shades of the Afterlife. And my We Don't Die radio, I interview people. And on Shades of the Afterlife, there might be some interviews, but it's more me reporting in on different reasons to believe in the afterlife. And now I'm over 160 episodes on that. So I'm a girl passionate about helping people believe in the afterlife. But the reason I do it all, and it's perfect uh, that you talk about grief, is as much as I believe in the afterlife, that's partly a hook to get people to come in, to let people know there is help through grief, what grief is, how we can have a powerful life, who we are as human beings, how to live a a happy life and do the best we can, get our money's worth out of life, put it to you that way, and then really be comforted knowing that there's a, a greater picture to life, that uh, we're souls having a human experience, that our loved ones are around and that we'll see them again. Um, but I was not always this person, Emily, I have to tell you. It was back in the mid-90s or so that I developed a huge fear of dying that just seemed to come out of nowhere. I call myself a skeptic for sure, but I was rather a nasty skeptic. I was very opinionated, the younger version of me. I grew up with great parents, um, but it was a family where you had to see it to believe it. So there was never any talk about mystical things. We did go to church every every week, went to Catholic church, Catholic school, but that faith really wasn't in me internally and Like I say, I was opinionated. I'd go to a bookstore and I'd see people looking at the um, spiritual sections, you know, and I think, oh, these poor people, you know, (laughs) there's no evidence of that stuff, you know. And so I think that's what makes me a good messenger is because I never believed in any of this. I went through the fear of dying. I gathered some really good evidence about why I believe in the afterlife. I was never going to tell anybody, though. And it wasn't until my dad got diagnosed with cancer in the beginning of 
January in 2010. And five months later, he passed. And it was during that time where my wonderful siblings and I started fighting about dad's care. We became one of those families that you read about that come apart after a loved one dies. And you know, and I know, and your listeners and audience know that when you are going through grief, you can really hit rock bottom, you know, just despair, depression. People often want to join their loved ones who have passed. And although I wasn't considering taking my own life, I hit such a deep, dark place that I just, yeah, I, I had um, compassion and empathy for people that, you know, now for the very first time, I know what it's like to feel like there's no way out. And so it just get, kind of gave me, yeah, I guess empathy for what people go through. And something hits, like, the, you know, the, the pictures of a light bulb goes off, ha-ha, that I'm not the same Sandra that I was. And I'm normally this. I'm normally very easy going and positive and bubbly. And I always try to put a smile on someone's face. And here I was, you know, rock bottom awful. And so I decided to study the world of grief. Why does it have to hurt so bad? What's happening in our brain, in our chemistry that has us feel the way that we do. I became very forgetful. If anybody wanted to hear my story, I repeated myself lots of times. I, I just wasn't me. And so when I realized that our brain chemistry changes, that, um, that I mean, there's so much, and I know you talk about these kind of things all the time, but I, I got really deep into how the brain chemistry changes, you know, beyond the the stages of dying, which are also people coined them for the stages of, of grief as well. But I realized that the best way I can put it, and this is this is how I log it for myself, um, is that if someone loses a loved one, you know, it's similar, obviously different, but if people imagine that they're addicted to some substance, right? They're, and then all of a sudden that's gone. You can imagine people going through withdrawal and you would never trust them with maybe your bank account information or or big secrets or whatever that is when they're going through with that withdrawal. Well, when I realized that grief puts a similar but different withdrawal that we go through and that our system isn't healthy, you know, that we lose a lot of our healthy neurotransmitters and et cetera. You know, so that all explained for the sleepless nights. And the big aha moment came because my siblings and I fought about things that didn't happen. And I couldn't understand why I was being outcast as, you know, making up things and lying. And that's not who I am. And that's when I realized that part of this withdrawal, the grieving process is we don't, we may not not in every case, but we may not see the occurring world as exactly as it's happening. So I had this, aha, this, this is why we're fighting. We're fighting about things that didn't happen because we're, go, we're all working with unhealthy brains right now. We're all grieving. You know, we, you know, that it can start before someone passes and of course after they're gone. And so in, I got this new passion and it was to study grief, to study what it is, why it does what it does. And then how can we get through it? And I, I know the only way through it is straight through it. Um, but there are things 
to help alleviate the pain, to give us understanding. And so with all these tools, they actually did empower me. And so I decided to create a free audio called How to Survive Grief and posted it online. I didn't have any friends or followers or anything, but the friends I had, it struck a nerve for them and they told two friends and then they told two friends and they told two friends. And in just a matter of a couple of months after my dad died, thousands of people had heard it, Emily. And I got emails from people that not only did it help them with their grief and help ease the pain a bit and give them understanding, but people started saying, I chose not to kill myself because of your audio. Uh, That left me speechless. And then that also left me with what I felt was a moral responsibility. How do I get these words to the most amount of people? You know, I felt like I had to. Who am I not to? And so somewhere in the back of my mind, because I had been researching life after death, again, since the mid-90s, I thought if I could have the courage to share what I knew about the afterlife, and I always knew if I had a book, I'd call it We Don't Die. I always knew that. I just liked the title. But if I could have that bold in your face, We Don't Die, because people think, yes, we do, that title, and then slip in a chapter on grief, slip in the things from that audio, and then conclude if, you know, if we don't die, who are we and how to have a powerful life? that that's what I wanted to do. And once that decision had been made, you know, it seemed like the synchronicities just started happening, getting invited to a writer's workshop, meeting a publisher, pitching my idea, even though I was so scared that they would think I was crazy. It was just the opposite because everybody deals with grief. If they haven't yet, they will soon enough. And I remember the publisher saying, you, you really think you can deliver on what you're saying, that life after death is real? And I said, yes, I can, just like that. And that was 10 years ago. And although the information in my book, I think, is powerful, now, 10 years later, with almost 600 hours of podcasts interviewing people from all around the world on all these other different reasons to believe, I have such a backbone for sharing the reality of the afterlife But most importantly is letting people know that grief shall pass. You know, I know it can be reignited anytime we might see a sad movie, it can come back. But just to let people know we are fully supported. And if we don't die, who are we? What is our life for? And I am all for people living a powerful life, having love in their heart, being of service to others having some self-love to ourselves, being gentle, knowing that we're dealing with a mind that is often negative and empowering people really to live a good life. There you go. (laughs) Wow. That's, that's so awesome. It's, it's so wonderful when people pay attention because all these things came to you, right, when you needed it. And you could have said, oh, that can't be true and gone the other way. But you paid attention and look at all the good that you've done in the world. I didn't pay attention. I didn't pay attention in the beginning, though. Not to interrupt you. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. But I kept getting people in my path that had lost a loved one. I would go to a movie theater thinking it was a comedy and it was about somebody dying and about grief. And then it was like the tipping point, like, like, okay, universe, I'm listening. I'll do it. (laughs) I'll do it. 
petrified what people would think of me, petrified. Because at the time, my mom and I owned a big business. We had a catering business. We cooked for race car teams. We had 1,500 people that would we'd feed breakfast, lunch, dinner, our busiest races. We had a team, a staff and everything. Um, but I remember one of our biggest races, one of the race car driver's dads knew I had a book. He had a printing company and God bless him. He showed up under my tent with this eight foot banner that said, is there proof of life after death? Sandra Champlain says yes. And he, I, I was petrified. Nobody knew that I had done that. And it was like me coming out as this spiritual warrior. I don't know if that's what you call it. But my biggest fear did not come true. More people came to me, people who had lost children, people who were suffering from some illness themselves, um, people who have gone through such great, great loss. And that's when I realized, I think, that little voice that's in our mind that always has us worried about the future or feeling guilty about the past. It's not our champion. It's not. So I think, I don't think this, I actually know this, that most people on planet Earth believe in the afterlife, but we're too afraid of what other people think to be open about it. So if I can crack that open and deliver good reasons to believe, good people present the scientists, the doctors, you know, some of the spiritual folks as well, and what people are doing, it all ultimately impacts those suffering grief. And it gives us new life again. It gives us room to breathe, you know? Yes, I do know. (laughs) It, it's it's wonderful to be able to to reach the people that there's something that you can suggest to them or give them or they can hear and it resonates with them that brings some comfort. And that's my whole thing is bringing comfort and support to people who really need it. And it's not e- that easy to come by out, out in the real world. So it's not, it, and people have their hand out, you know, mm-hmm. I've got, I've got people that I think because I've got a good size following, they just think if they can be on the show or if they can, you know, like I'll just support their stuff and they'll make money. And it's like, I've got to the point where it's like, I can tell, I can tell. And I'm all about sharing good people. I certainly am. But um, especially where grief is concerned, I I tell you, I give away more books probably than I sell. And I also want to tell you and your listeners, if you want a free PDF copy of my book, you can have it. You can absolutely have it. My website is wedontdie.com. If you're willing to give me your email address, just put your email address in at the bottom of the page at wedontdie.com. It says you get the first few chapters of my book. Oh, no. When you start reading it, you'll realize it's the entire book and also that audio, How to Survive Grief, is included. So that's just my gift because I I want to give this information. Uh, I don't want the price tag to be the thing that people don't get the information about the afterlife and grief and all those other juicy nuggets that I share. <laughs> you know, it's interesting to hear you say that because I'm, I'm kind of the same way when uh, I we got set up the Grief and Happiness Alliance to do gatherings, we call them, online every week for anybody who's dealing with grief who'd like to come together with peers and write and talk to each other and learn happiness practices. 
And when I came up with the concept, I, I was talking to a group of friends who, because who, when I first said grief and happiness, I had so many, no, <laughs> those don't yeah. go together. That doesn't work. So I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to get just get thrown out before I, I started on this concept. And they were all really excited about me doing. And I said, my, my only issue is I don't want people to have to pay for this, but it does cost money. Yeah. And when you offer things for free, a lot of times people don't have that perceived value. So they, they might come once and never come back and that sort of thing. So they talked about it and said, we're just going to start a nonprofit organization that will support what you're doing. And that way you can tell the people that, you know, we're paying for this so you don't have to Perfect. because we believe in this. And I, I just love that. And you, you've got, you're on the same vibe. So yeah. I, I definitely am. I definitely am. My work catering supported everything that I was doing with the book and everything. And then when COVID hit, unfortunately, we closed our doors. We, you know, the racing stopped. They would no longer have people eat under one tent. And I reinvented myself. So this face has been on Zoom a lot we've been we have also a gathering every sunday we do a spiritualist not spiritual a spiritual service that's filled with inspiration and music videos and great things and then part of it is a medium demonstration so we get people that attend from all over the world it is free so there are people that donate which is great we never push them though and then we do some online classes medium classes and other things and uh make a few few dollars from my podcast from um Shades of the Afterlife, anyways, they have commercials. We Don't Die Radio does not. And yeah, so I'm making enough to pay the bills. And I'm happy with that. And I've had time to slow it down, not be fast paced, to be one with nature, to enjoy the birds, the squirrels, the deer, my dear mom, you know, she, she and I are together and, you know, we're not getting any younger, but to really have that loving relationship and a best friend. I didn't like what happened back in 2020 with what happened in the world, of course. But for me personally, it was a wake up call to slow down. You know, I would talk a lot about happiness, Emily, but was I living it? Mm, maybe not. So now I am, you know, there's of course there's good days and not so good days, but I yeah. feel like I know those little tips and tricks to put a smile on our faces and think positively and have gratitude in our hearts and love. That makes all the difference. I, I find by doing what I'm doing now that I'm happier now than I ever have been. And I'm, I'm thrilled about that. And it's, it's, it's a genuine thing. It's nothing that I have to put on or anything. I just, I'm very happy with that. You just mentioned uh, tips or tricks that help you with that. Can you give us one or two? Yeah, I sure can. One of the, most strategic ones is to talk to people about what they love. And I'm going to give you an instance. There was uh, one of the races that we were packing up and we hired a truck driver to bring our big equipment truck from point A to point B. And when he showed up at the racetrack, we had not yet finished packing up this truck. And he was as grouchy as they come. He was slamming things, trying to load that truck just so he could get out of there. So I said, let me try this. Okay. So I says, Dan, do you have any kids? Yeah, I've got four kids, you know. 
and he's throwing things around. And I said, oh, I'm single. I said, uh, do you remember when your first child was born? He stopped and he had to think and he had to recall that feeling. And I tell you, Emily, he transformed in a second. He says, oh my gosh, I never believed I you know, would hold something, somebody so beautiful to be connected to me. And oh, tell me about your other kids. And then he went on and on. We're still packing the truck at this time. Joyful. I said, oh, what, where do your family, where does your family go on vacation? And what are your kids like? Completely transformed him by the end of it. He hugged me. This, I, he says, I never knew this could be so great. You know, exchanged phone numbers to stay friendly. And so since then, I have this just strategic way, and anybody can use this, is when you're in a conversation with someone, even if they're not in a bad mood, if you can start talking about favorite vacation spots or what people are proud of in their life, or, you know, if, you, if they have kids, that's a really good one, you know, about the first time they held them in their arms or, you know, why they're lo- they love their loved one. And then what happens is, you know, chances are they're going to ask you something back. And then it just ricochets back and forth and this love snowball grows of people feeling good. And so that's great. And then also I knew um, when my dad was close to passing, he was in a lot of pain. And so we would play the gratitude game, just different things that we we're grateful for. And we'd just go back and forth. And and then we, you know, we'd start remembering things that happened in our life. And then all of a sudden, you know, funny things would come in and his pain would be alleviated quite a bit. And then we played a game that whatever doctor or nurse or aide came into the room, that they were going to leave the room happier. Mm-hmm. So we were digging up jokes and digging up different things and asking them questions about themselves. And so it became such a, a powerful room. And um, I know many people are familiar with the works of Dr. Emoto, you know, the messages in water. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, and how the, uh, one of the things he did is he had people in Japan boil a pot of rice and then put them in two different jars. And one one jar went in one room, another jar went in another room. And one room, they all only positive and all love the rice, positive words, positive things. And in the other room, it was negative, you know, negative words, negative thoughts. And after a month, the people brought the two jars together and the positive rice had a nutty golden color and a nice smell to it. And the other one turned black. And so what many people are doing these days, because you could do this with a banana also, same bunch of bananas. You put a banana in one room, one in the other. Good science project if you have kids. And one banana will ripen much faster than the other. And of course, that's the one of negativity. So with dad, I had a picture in his hospice room that was the rice, you know, one was golden and one was black. And it was just a reminder to be positive. You know, we're human, so our brain Mm -hmm. goes negative all the time. But if we can just slip in a little something that we're grateful for or some happy memory or something like that, it can, it can change us. Certainly can. So those, those would be a few yeah, that wonderful. I just love those. That's great. I it was thinking about one thing that when uh, I first started to do writing that had to do with grief, one of the things that came up all the time is what do you tell somebody when when you want to give them your condolences? And I would say, well, I can tell you what not to say. <laughs> and I could give them a whole big long list of things not to say. 
And I realized that I was focusing on the negativity. And so I started researching what other people were saying, and everybody's focusing on the negativity. So I said, okay, if somebody asks me that, what I'm going to tell them is to say something using their loved one's name and say something positive about their loved one. And the results have been amazing that, that people just, that sometimes they'll break down and cry when you say something really nice, but it's good tears and it's, it's okay. But to be talking positively about the, someone who transitioned, it, it seems to make all the difference with their loved ones. Absolutely. So Absolutely. That's, that's how I focus it now. And I try to focus on the positive instead of having that negative yeah. come into the equation. And it can also be as simple as just letting somebody know, I haven't been in your shoes before. You know, grief is all different. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm your friend. If you need somebody to talk to, if I can do something for you, here I am. Do you use me? You know, mm-hmm. hearing that or a nice thing about the person, oh, that means everything. Because we okay. do feel very alone in grief. We feel mm-hmm. very alone. And just to hear, okay, you don't understand, but you're here for me. Because we all know that a lot of people don't know how to deal with grief. And so friends take off that you think should be there. It's like, what happened to them? And they just just don't know. They're scared. Yeah, they don't know. And because they don't know, it's easier for them to not do it. But when you say something like, my husband, Shock, had this beautiful singing voice and he did a lot of acting in town which was interesting because he was a philosophy professor and they do were like apples and oranges, <laughs> but people just loved him. He, he played Santa Claus a lot because he just, he loved to do it. And people remembered him from that. And when somebody would say something positive about him, then it'd get me smiling and I'd give them an example of something and they'd give me an example of something. And it just kept being this like, uh, Jacques Fest of all the great things Jacques did. <laughs> and that felt so good. And we'd be laughing and smiling by the end of the conversation. And they didn't mind staying there and talking to me because everything went in a positive direction and it just felt good. It was like exhaling, you know? Yes. Wow. I'm I'm just, I'm so impressed with your work. I'm so impressed with what you do. And you just offer that comfort just to so many people and I'm just glad you're in the world and <laughs> being able to pass all this on I, I know I've had experiences that it can't be defined by anything else other than knowing that that was a, a message that yeah. I received on purpose you know it right. wasn't just me thinking about something but it was something that that really happened. I had one just happened. I'll share with you real quickly. I have a a good friend who was, she was a good friend of my husband's and and mine both. And when we moved to Hawaii, she moved here also because she said she wanted to live in Maui. And I said, so come live in Maui. And we had a place on our property that she could rent even. And so she stayed right here with us. And um, we're really close friends. And and she really helped me out a lot with the whole process of uh, Ron being sick and his decline. And I don't know what I would have done without her. But we've remained just just really close friends. And she had a big thing happen in her life and, and decided to throw a party for herself and have a celebration a couple of weeks ago. And so I went to it. And she had these uh, two women come sing with a band. And uh, I knew one of the women did 
fabulous singer. And I, I just, I love to listen to her sing anytime I get a chance. And when we were listening to him sing, she told, she she spoke to, to my friend and she said, there's this song I always wanted to sing for you because I just, I connect it with you. And I just haven't had a chance before. So it's a Stevie Wonder song and who it is. Well, as soon as she said Stevie Wonder, my friend turned to me and she said, if that song is as, we'll know Ron is here. And of course it was as. Wow. And a fabulous, fabulous uh, version, the way that the two of them sang it together. Because it's, it's you know, it's a Stevie Wonder song. So it's kind of a guy song. But these two women knocked it out of the park. And my friend and I were sitting there just tears running down our face because we were so, so touched by it. And the reason for that was that, as was my song with with Ron. I came came home one day when we were dating her and said, and he said, I heard the song today and it's our song. And he played it for me and I listened to the words. I said, yeah, it is. And I've had all these things connecting to that song throughout my life since then, especially since since he's gone. And I always, I smile when I hear it and it, it just, I, I feel so good about it. And for that to be the song she picked to sing that day, he was there. No coincidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, sure. Emily, because the mind that talks to us, the brain, the thoughts, whatever we want to call it, that little voice, for whatever reason, it's easy for us to believe that voice as to, instead of like looking at the miracles in the world, you know, when we wake up in the morning and we look in the mirror, how many of us say some pretty negative things, right? How much time do we spend second guessing ourselves or thinking about the past, feeling guilty, should I, shouldn't I, looking at the future? We're not in that present moment. And that mind is the one that tells you to be fearful of things that you've got no business being fearful of. You know, it's not a life or death thing. It's the voice of skepticism. I think skepticism is good because there's some crazies out there, truly. But when you think of planet Earth, you think of this rock that we're living on, right? With its basic elements, out of just those basic elements, we, you know, you and I are connecting via Zoom and we've got electricity and, you know, we're talking. I mean, that's some miracle stuff right there. It absolutely is. And then you think we are living in this ever-expanding universe that we'll never get our head around how that's even possible and that the planet we live on has life and that we have consciousness and intelligence and all these things. And then if we go to the quantum level, if we look at science and we break down everything that we are made of and down to our tiniest atom, all we are is invisible, vibrating energy. I think they call them quarks but down to our tiniest thing, that's what we are. So we are living, breathing miracles, but yet we believe this voice. And so while our computers or our phones can not be connected to anything and they can connect with almost everything here on planet earth, right? All this information, why are we not just as powerful that when we quiet our mind that we are connected with energy, energy being our loved ones, because energy can never die. That's proven. So why can't we do it? And we can. And so I am so passionate about 
being a voice to the afterlife, to all the different reasons to believe, all the good men and women that are out there, science, medicine, and more. And I'm going to continue to share it. So like you said, you know, thank you too, because you're just a, you're a warrior for helping people as well. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're passionate about, folks, doesn't have to be grief or the afterlife or happiness, whatever, but whatever that is, make yourself happy, follow your dreams, and then share it with others and you can never go wrong. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for being here today. This this just, oh, I just feel really good from the energy from us talking together. I find it so much easier in these days to focus on, on the positivity and to be able to, to share that with people and bring people up with that. And it, it makes all the difference in the world. And there needs to be more of us out there with the big smiles and the... <laughs> the good words and And we're not always like this we do have our down days but we can choose we can choose to be happy and sometimes you know when we're in the real doldrums yeah you're not going to put a big smile on your face but you can find a few little things that you're grateful for and then you can just shift the needle you can you can be in communication with others and let them help you be lifted so thank you emily oh i'm so glad you came so uh, we will have show links at uh, at the bottom of the uh, episode here so that you'll find where you can get those things that, that uh, Sandra mentioned that are free for on her website. And I know that you're going to want to go get that. So that will be there. And we're so glad that you were here today with us so that you could hear this because I'm, I'm sure you're smiling now and I'm happy about that. So thanks for being here. And thank you, Sandra. Thank you. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode 